0: Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI. And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. We'll get into this episode's conversation right after this. As an advisor, you have the technical skills to assist business owners in exit planning. However, Few advisors know how to package the process and use it to drive the demand for their service. Learn how when you attend an upcoming bootcamp workshop. Visit exitplanning.com forward slash bootcamp to see the latest schedule and to register. That's exitplanning.com forward slash bootcamp. Don't miss the opportunity to take advantage of all exit planning can offer and to set yourself apart from the competition. And with me today, and I'd like to speak the name in Italian, but I'm not going to try my Italian, is Robert DiPaolo. Yes. Welcome. Thank you so much, John. So how did you get involved in the whole exoplanning planning world?
1: So, like many other Guardian firms, mm-hmm. we started looking deeper into it because we had many high net worth clients who, as we look at their balance sheet, yeah. had a line item for their business. And worth three million dollars. Three million dollars. Three million dollars with five million dollar net worth. Yeah. And then the magic question always came up down the line: How do you crack the piggy bank? Yeah. And the farther along we got along, the more the people had the questions. Nobody had the answer. Yeah. And the more we learned about BEI, we realized they have a systematic formula that works well, like everything else we do. Mm-hmm. That right. has to be a process, and it has to make sense.
0: So. So how do you? And so you're also an attorney. Yes. So you're not practicing law now, but has that proven useful in this whole planning process?
1: Yes, it's been very useful because, as many people know, advisors speak one language, accountants speak another language, and attorneys speak another language. Being able to bridge the gap and then bring it back to plain English for a Mm -hmm. client is a phenomenal skill that's helped a lot for me. Yeah. Because we may see one thing as an advisor. But when I put my attorney hat on, they're looking at it from a different lens and you have to explain to them how it marries together to get the optimal solution. Yeah,
0: that's great. So when you st- when did you start with Guardian? I started with
1: Guardian four years ago. Okay, so did you, did you do any, probably didn't do any exit planning at that point. At that point, I was managing a small team and doing a lot of traditional planning for individuals. Okay. A lot of high net worth, um, upper middle class individuals, doing traditional planning. Um, the more into planning we got, the more credibility you got. Yeah. And the more I was working with people, we got more and more into the business owner business owner market. And you started doing buy sell agreements and started bumping into the other traditional next level of planning, yeah. which as people get more advanced they start working into. And it was just you a natural fast track though. Yes. Just from my yeah. background from being an attorney and everything else, it just naturally flowed and naturally fit my skill set. Yeah. So what, what, tell me about a typical client you might work with now. How did,
0: how did that client come to you? Uh, how did you engage them, and what do you do for
1: them? So most of my clients come through referral partners. Okay. So what does that mean? I like to educate other people because we're in an education business. Yeah. If we educate people in other fields, such as accountants, lawyers, property ca- casualty individuals, they're working with individuals just as much as we are. Right. And they overlook these opportunities because you don't know what you don't know. Right. And by having seminars and things to educate them on what they should know about this stuff, they end up always raising their hand and going, Hey, I know somebody who needs that. But the other thing, which is a phenomenal tool, which is provided by BEI, is the newsletter. We send it the bi-monthly newsletter. Probably once a month I get somebody saying, Oh my God, how'd you know that this was something that we'd be needing to talk about? That's interesting. So, how many? So, that's a newsletter that
0: you brand with your firm name, your picture, your contact information, yes. and so on. So, it's your newsletter. Um, and you're sending that out. How many people do you send it out to?
1: So, I have the list connected to my entire LinkedIn contacts huh? plus other people. Anyone I ever touch uh-huh. ends up on my list because. Even if you're not a business owner, you know somebody who's a business owner and right. you're going to always hear the questions. And the beauty is it doesn't just talk about exit planning. It's about real life things that yeah. relate to people like family dynamics when transferring a business right. and different things like that. And my list is probably just around 1,000 people. But the amazing part is yeah. most email lists get about a 4 or 5% click rate. Yeah. It's getting a 26% click yeah. rate that I'm getting over 125, 130 people reading it going. This is like really informative and not and it's from pitching you. a product. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. You know, it, it strikes me that with our members, our advisors who are, let's say, under the age of 45, really use these social media tools we have a lot. Older advisors are getting into it, but they, most of them don't have a list of a 1,000
1: people. How did you get that list? So, again, it started out with my LinkedIn contacts. Yeah. And then the other thing which I did was, which was what I call best practices, I added it to my email signature. So on the bottom of my email signature, it says, Hey, if you're interested in my business planning newsletter, click here to add your name. And then it leads to the hyperlink to the exit planning site uh-huh. to put your name and email address in. Uh-huh. And people have added themselves. But the other thing I do you is. You don't even do a thing. With those people, I don't even do a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I probably get probably five to 10 people a month that do that. Yeah. But then. Anyone else who, like I mentioned, could bump into somebody who's in a business, I'm uh-huh. um, automatically after a meeting. If I got a business card from you, best practice, I automatically add you to my email list. Automatically add you to my CRM system mm-hmm. because I never know when you're going to come up again, and I want to make sure that there's a touch point they remember my name.
0: Well, wow. so you get, say, you average ten to fifteen people a year that are responding to you.
1: Ah, uh, just for me. That's, the- that's probably about right. Probably. Probably somewhere between the 10 and 20 range. Okay,
0: so it might be more than an hour, 10 to 20. Uh, Do you have conversations with all those
1: people? Uh, Most of them I do. Most of them, them I'll usually pause, go back in the newsletter, see what caught their attention, and prep myself for the conversation to know where the conversation's probably going.
0: So you know what articles they're reading, what subject matter, so if somebody's reading every newsletter on key employee incentive planning or something like that, you're, you're primed. You're prepared. Yes. That's great.
1: And I, I like going into the topics because sometimes it's a door opener and there's a bigger issue there that they don't even realize yet Yeah, because they're just feeling that one pay point at the entryway.
0: Right, right. Uh, that's great. So have you developed clients out of that as well?
1: Or? Yes. So out of those methods, we've developed a bunch of clients. So as of right now, of the four to five cases I have in process, came through those methods of uh. educating a COI or the newsletter because they've just raised their hand and said, hey, I'm interested. They, they, I'm interested. Yeah. And the beauty of the part of the platform is the way it's designed building the team, Other advisors which I'm bringing onto those plans now are going, wait a minute, I got a few more people we should be starting to talk about. Put them on your radar. And now those are next round of clients already lining themselves up just from doing the right things that no one else is doing in right. the area.
0: That, at least with the newsletter list, it doesn't take any of your time. Nope. Uh, developing your network, that would take more time than that. Obviously, it's a one-to-one meeting, but are you prepping that even by sending them newsletters ahead of time or other material?
1: Um, twofold with that. So with that, I do two different things. Okay. The first is, I'll do a Newsletter or grab somebody to lunch, like if I see somebody who's really prominent in an area, Mm -hmm. I am reaching out to them, trying to get on their radar, and making sure that they want to meet with me to grab lunch or do something, and I make it attractive for them. Because again, if I'm giving to them first, it's going to come back. Outside of that, like you said, it's very time-consuming. For those B or C level people who I don't, I'm not sure if they're the top expert, but they're going to know context, and they're going to know people who we're going to want to work with, Mm We also hold what I which me and one of my partners felt is a two-prong seminar the first seminar is we bring in all the exit planning partners the CPAs the PNC people the okay. accountants and we only allow two to three people from each profession and are these people
0: are these advisors advisors you and your partners are working with now or just want to work
1: with people who we want to work with okay and then we educate them on how exit planning not only benefits their clients, but will benefit their business. Because what's the reward to them to getting involved in this process? So do you have a PowerPoint that you give yes. them? So I go through a modified version of the 30-minute briefing. That, that we provide? Yes. Uh-huh. And then I tied in slides, which show the benefits of each role. So the benefits of the CPA, the benefits of the attorney. Okay. I've turned those into slides. Uh-huh. At the end of that presentation, I said, if this is something you're interested in and this is something you want to get involved in, we're going to hold another seminar in 46 weeks. If you want to come back to the next seminar, you have to bring one client. If you look around the room, there's only one or two other people in your profession. If everyone brings back one or two clients, I'm promising you, you'll get three or four back. Half the room probably does nothing half of the other half want to be involved and make up a reason why they haven't gotten somebody yet. Uh And you keep them a little bit on the side burner. Uh But a quarter of the room is coming back saying, I'm in, let's go. And if there's a role or a position that we don't have somebody filled in, I'll go back to my exit planning roster, my team in in Epic, and say, hey, who's a good blank to fill this position and have them work with somebody else who's gone through the process? And it excites them because it's hands-on, it's interactive, and they're not just throwing a name to the hat. It's like, oh, wow, I'm not working on one case. We're working on three cases now, and I'm really excited. Are you doing most of this via the Internet? I'm doing a lot of it face-to-face. Okay. I, so, uh, I still like face-to-face. Absolutely. Because I feel like you get a more personal touch. Being able to talk and then come shake your hand and have a five-minute mm-hmm. conversation can change dynamic 100% from yeah. what you thought initially.
0: Yeah. So you have rapidly
1: developed a pretty full practice. Yes, I mean, knock on wood, I saw an opportunity. And even though I might not be a first mover, I want to catch traction up to be in pace where I should be to be equal to or pacing the first movers in this area, in yeah.
0: my area. Yeah, well, it's, I think you're, you're, you're doing that. We had a speaker earlier today about um, how do you be successful? Well, you start to act. You know, take yes. action. Don't be talking about it. So you've seen a process you like. You've used it. You've maximized its potential. Uh, and now it's going to continue to grow on itself. Yes. because Because the way you're doing, this, like your live meetings they're going to feed on one another. Yes. Because some proportion of people that didn't respond at first are going to come back in. So it's it's basically creating a good funnel of activity.
1: Yes. And the other thing it does is also bring professionals who are all eager to do things. Mm-hmm. You might be an attorney. I might be the financial advisor trying to do exit planning, business planning stuff. But Joe, the CPA in the corner, is a really good CPA and you needed help with something. You go, hey, what's this? And then all of a sudden people or internet networking with each other on different areas at yeah. the same time. So the value add just keeps multiplying to the people who get involved.
0: Um, that's pretty amazing. Thank Were, you. Any other tools you're using? Uh, sounds like you're using PowerPoints, you're using handouts like the roles of the advisors to yes. incorporate that in, which is clever. The newsletter, white papers, do you ever use those?
1: Um, I'll rarely I'll use white papers. But I'll typically use the white paper in a situation where I have a client's um, existing relationship who doesn't agree or doesn't get something. So I'll use it as a, hey. A
0: specific purpose. specific
1: purpose. I'll look in and pull a white paper on a specific topic to say, hey, look, I want you to do some research. Here's a white paper. Read through it and get back to me. I understand your pushback but here's an alternative view which I want you to come back with an educated discussion and more often than not they'll come back and go it's not the way I typically do it but it makes sense let's see what happens okay that's great and
0: I guess a couple more questions Um, I like the way this this podcast is going because we're really talking about feet on the ground tools that you use Um, so how do you, you, you working with a lot of advisors. How are you finding the likely good advisors in your area to work with initially? Is it through your other relationships that you have with advisors Is um, your partners?
1: So it comes through a bunch of different avenues. Okay. So being that we're at a firm, we have a lot of different advisors in different stages of create. career. I have some older advisors who have business clients, and they just don't know what to do with them. Yeah, We have some younger advisors who are very green and just good to be boots on the ground and make phone calls. Uh-huh. And there's everything in between. so. Are you our, an in, are you an in-betweener? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the most part, pretty much in between. But yeah. when I look through this all and I talk to people, yeah. we said our initial client, our initial offering, being that I was on the management team as managing director and helped develop teams, was... We have to educate our first client. Our first client are our advisors. So our first initial pool of people we went to when we developed this was, hey, we're gonna teach you this, but we're gonna teach you just enough to open the door. Have the initial question. Hey, John, you have a great business. I really love how successful you've been. What's your plan for three years from now? Oh, that's great, what's your plan for five years? Great, oh, did you ever think about what you want to do when you're out of the business? those simple questions which we all talk about, yeah. they go, I really don't know, or "Oh, I'm thinking it's going to so-and-so. Oh, do you know the repercussions of doing it that way? No, I think you should really meet my partner. He specializes in that. And I think, if anything, it's just a little food for thought. Yeah, interesting. And that really got us our first four or five cases to open up the group. Mm-hmm. And then as people started seeing it, and as we started tapping on other advisors we knew, it just caught on like wildfire that people were like, that's something different. I haven't seen that before. I want to know what you're doing. And this
0: is all within your your agency? It, it
1: started within our agency and now it has, I probably have about four or five attorneys that I speak to once a month that are really eager. I have about two or three accountants and I have a business consultant and, a, and two outsourced CFOs who all talk to me on a regular basis mm-hmm. that are like, this has worked for a lot of people, I can refer more people and they get involved.
0: And so they, the, these people I'm assuming are also part of your team of advisors that you refer in when you're doing a case? Yes. So are you doing the, are you the lead advisor on the creation of all these exit plans and
1: that you're bringing in these other advisors? Yeah, so when it comes to the actual exit plan, mm-hmm. I am taking the quarterbacking role I'm using the Epic software and following through the steps. Um, I really like using the assessment tools. Mm-hmm. I like using the value drivers. Those are good starting points to get conversations going. Right. Um, two clients, we were actually talking about that they want to do their buy-sell. And I said, while you're doing your buy-sell, this is right in line. We should talk about business continuity instructions. And like, what's that? Hey, well, that's a simple offering we have. I'm going to interview you with some questions and God forbid something happened to you, I know you and your partner are partners, but your wife doesn't know what goes on with your partner, and if something happened to you, do you think she should know how to handle the situation, or is she gonna have blind faith in your partner? And she goes, I really like that. Can we talk about that? Mm -hmm. And it leads to opening the door to more questions, and like I forgot what session was today, but it doesn't matter what step you start on, as long as you're going through the process, it happens. Like I had another client who we started out with personal planning, and as we got into the personal planning and looking more and more into it, it went back into the business planning.
0: Oh, that's amazing. You've done a lot in a, uh, in a very short time. I'm pretty, impre- I'm very impressed with that.
1: Are you enjoying this? I love it. It's like a new passion because it's a differentiator. It's funny when I talk to people, oh, you're a financial advisor. Oh, what are you going to do? Try to take my money and invest it? What are you going to do? Sell me life insurance? I'm like, no. I'm going to figure out what you want to do And find the solution to get you where you want to be if you own a business. And people are like, so does that involve investments? It might. Does it involve insurance? It might. It depends on what we're talking about, what you need to do. And the fact that there's no cookie-cutter answer has gotten a lot more people intrigued because sometimes the solution we give is just a little bit of guidance Mm -hmm. to their accountant or their lawyer. And you're like, well, you pretty much had it covered already. Here's a little tweak.
0: That's right. So, you know, the other thing you're doing is you're making a difference in the lives of a lot of people because if you don't go into that relationship and do that exit planning, nobody else is. All of the advisors you're talking to, they're not going to do it. No. They haven't done it. Maybe we can get them to start doing exit planning, and as they learn more, they I'm sure they'll have more of an interest, but generally speaking, other advisors. Almost universally speaking, they're not asking the questions you're asking, and, and they don't have the tools to provide at least a pathway to solutions.
1: Yes, I mean, it's very true. Like advi- Most advisors don't ask the questions because either they're afraid to ask because it gets too complicated and out of their comfort zone, right? or they just don't know. And the ones who sort of know get petrified by it. Like when we start getting into supplemental um, executive retirement plans or other structures like that. They're like, I kind of know what it is, but they don't want to get into it because they don't want to tarnish your reputation by getting into an area that sure. they're not great well,
0: at. That's why uh, all all we professionals, yeah. we're hesitant to go into areas that we haven't tread on before, but you've learned what to do so you can
1: tread freely. Yes, and the fact that I have the legal background helps a lot yeah. and usually the biggest pushback which we got on our first two cases were the lawyers like why do you know so much about the contracts well do you think this is right are you a lawyer or something I'm like well actually I am and they're like oh where'd you go to law school I'm like oh Hofstra and they're like oh when'd you graduate and we started getting into a conversation and then it became from having the advi- financial advisor who many attorneys view as a salesperson looking to push a product to oh you're a peer with a specialty. So let's divulge further into how we can work this out. Yeah, that's great. Anything else? Uh, I just love doing it. So this really became a passion for me in my practice and re-en- re-energized me to do a lot more than I've ever done in the past because as much as I liked helping people, I never saw the initial impact as quickly and as rapidly yeah. as getting into this.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, that's why we plan. Yes. Thanks for listening. Join us for our next episode. For more content like this, please visit exitplanning.com.